Under the Helmet. You do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. Tell you, man, you leading the league in hydration. I got a dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to the Helmet. We've got some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Got Katie Flower here, official show of uthdynasty.com. A couple weeks in to the NFL season. Got college season on uh, already going as well. Do want to remind you, uh, you got a UTH Film Notes podcast. It went about an hour and a half this week, but every single Monday morning as part of the general manager subscription, you're going to get every play of every game. I distill it down to the dynasty information you need to know. So first thing in the morning, hey, what did I miss? I maybe caught two or three games over the course of the weekend, but what else do I need? And that is one of the cornerstone pieces that frankly starts my analysis for the upcoming week of dynasty player value waivers and just the changing landscape that we have. And this week, Katie, we've got some good stuff. Let's start off with the rookie quarterbacks because it, two games does not a career make. Two games does not a season make. But beyond the preseason, it's just great to see the career starting. And it looks like we're going to see Justin Fields this coming week. Uh, we've seen him in you know a few spots, but we're going to start to see the sample size grow on him. We are still waiting, unsurprisingly, with Trey Lance. I thought Jimmy Garoppolo would have a pretty long leash for a competitive team with the 49ers, just like Patrick Mahomes. We, we didn't see him for a while because the Chiefs were competitive uh, back in the day. But we did do already have a couple starts from Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, and Trevor Lawrence. So wherever you want to start, is there something about rookie quarterbacks just in general, you want to start our discussion, but let's break down what we've seen so far and maybe what has changed or not changed from back in our discussions from January through April. Okay. So before we get started with rookie quarterbacks, have you watched much college football this season so far? Yes. Uh, I watched a decent amount. Yes. Okay. So as a Debbie owner and as a Debbie scout, who was the number one quarterback coming into the season that was going to be a rookie for this draft. No, for the, for the college football, who who is taking over as a college. It's their first time taking over the team. Oh, DJ, you right? Okay. And how is his start? His start is not going great. <laughs> okay, right. A lot of, and a get, lot of people are, are, have pitchforks out and they want nothing to do with them. And it's been two or three games. Exactly. So it's the same type of concept. You got DJ Uyunglele, who is a really good college prospect. Looked great last year in his single start when Trevor Lawrence, you know, gave him the reins for a little bit. But now he's the main man and the pressure is on him. And you got a guy like Bryce Young. It's his first start, but yet he's with Alabama, much better team, much better offense. And everybody's putting Bryce Young now above DJ Uyunglele. And it's like Uyunglele is dead of me, that kind of thing. Look, it doesn't work that way. You have to have patience with college quarterbacks when they're freshmen or heir apparents and they just take over their team. 
Clemson itself is not as good as normal. But it's the same thing with pro quarterbacks. I don't care if it's Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, any of them. Can I say one thing about that, though? Absolutely. I, I, will, I will say the reacting to they stink. If, if the, Your conclusion being they stink, I think, needs to have a lot more patience to declaring that affirmatively than the, the guys that come out. Like, for example, uh, we had Justin Herbert last year. Pretty much right away and throughout his year looked the part. And I think there are positives to look at and say, this is better than the opposite. You know, if they look like they... Uh, can't handle themselves, then obviously that's a let's see. You know, this could just be a baptism by fire. This is a tough situation. They're getting thrown in, you know, week one, rookie season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, Peyton Manning, I would remind folks, more interceptions than touchdowns in his first season. And uh, personally, and we'll get to this in a second, I, I personally like, hey, sling it, learn. And, you know, an interception, as long as you learn from it, is not a bad thing. Now, hopefully you don't learn hundreds of times, you know, unless you're playing 15, 20 years in the league. But I don't think how many picks you throw in year one is like the marker for makes you a success or not. I think we're looking for positive traits. Is it, does it look too big for you? Do you look overwhelmed? And I think to some degree, there are positives with all the quarterbacks that have played a couple games so far. And obviously, it's a wait and see. I think the one reminder is going to be, and we say this every year in draft time, especially in super flex leagues, you need to have a patience level of like, this isn't going to be RG3 or Justin Herbert or where you pretty much just like early on, you're like, oh, I guess I'm starting them now. Like that just does not happen very often. Cam Newton. Like, so I, I don't people, I don't think people realize that, that even taking out the guys that redshirted, here's the average for the top half of round one for their year one finish quarterback 24. And then year two quarterback 20 year three quarterback 20. So not a lot of guys get all the way home really early in their career, especially year one, to being a starter. A starter, at best, they're going to be a matchup player or a guy that you use during bye weeks or your QB2 in Superflex. So as long as you have that prism, I think you're going to be just fine in managing rookie quarterback enthusiasm. It's the people that think Trevor Lawrence was going to be a top 10 guy, drafting him in the top 10 or 12 in redraft this year. Those are the people that I think have problems with what's going on. The Jacksonville Jaguars were the number one pick for a reason. And it wasn't just that they needed a quarterback. They had the mustache. They had Gardner Minshew. So the whole thing is, if you're speaking English your whole life, or at least for the last six or eight years, and then all of a sudden in the off season, now you got to learn Spanish. And you do okay. You're learning, you're picking up the Spanish. But now try to speak Spanish fluently while you're in a conversation with everybody else that knows how to speak Spanish. That's kind of like what it is as a rookie quarterback. And the best you're Spanish speakers in the language. world. And the What's best that? Spanish speakers in the world. Right. They're the best Spanish speakers in the world, and you just learn Spanish. Even though it's a, it's a language and you know language... And even though you spent the whole offseason learning Spanish, now try to do it when everything's coming at you game speed. A lot, there's, Again, a lot, there's a lot more than physical traits, too. It's the allowing things. They always talk about the game slowing down. And if things are going fast, 
you can't, you know, your, your arm talent can be great. Your, you know, pocket movement can be great. All these things can be great. But imagine trying to do it in the middle of a six lane highway with traffic going. Like, imagine trying to play catch. Imagine trying to do simple arithmetic, you know, people yelling out to you. And that's the equivalent of all of a sudden, you know, defenders are moving before the snap. They're moving, you know, they're dropping out into zones. You know, guys are freelancing and and jumping routes. And if you're just a little late and you can understand the play and everything perfectly, but the moment that two and a half seconds, you have to do 20 things. So that's the thing that when they say it slows down, I mean, if 2.3 seconds starts to feel like 2.6 seconds. That's the slowing down for these quarterbacks. And so it's just a whole new level. And it's a whole new level even from the preseason. That's the other thing. Right. So I, I, I just think I just think for folks, they need to have for their dynasty teams that huge patience factor that if you're drafting Debbie quarterback, you're drafting the rookie quarterback, the patience level to actually getting to year two, year three, where things slow down and you're finally starting to see some comfort and that's from the guys who end up hitting. You have to have it. Right. And and so not only are you learning a new language as a quarterback, so to speak, to keep that analogy going, but now you've got a whole bunch of different players that you're trying to get used to. It's it's kind of like dancing. When you're dancing with somebody new, you're both a little Step bit toes. But when you see somebody that's been dancing with somebody for 40 years, like Tom Brady has been dancing forever, he makes it look easy. And that's because he's been doing it for so, so long. And, and his mental game is, is one of the tops in the whole league, which is why he's QB three after week two at 44 years old, even though he doesn't run like some of these young whippersnappers. But I like what I've seen from Trevor Lawrence. I've liked what I've seen from Zach Wilson, even though he threw a lot of interceptions this weekend against my Patriots. And I like what I've seen, again, with Justin Fields. He's had some good moments, and he's had some rookie quarterback moments. And I like what I've seen so far from Trey Lance as well. And uh, who's the other one? Who am I missing? Uh, Fields, Mac Jones. Um... I said the. Oh, and, and Mac Jones. Yeah. And I really like what I've seen from Mac Jones also. They all have a lot of positives, and I'm not worried about any one of them at this point. Can I tell you what I like about, about Trevor Lawrence? Is sure. that he's, he's trying to make plays. I like the fact that he's being bold, he's being aggressive. He has guys like Chark, Marvin Jones, you know, Chenault's dinged up, but he's the shorter ranger. I like that he's pushing the ball down the field because you know what? This team is not going anywhere this year. Whether they win three games or win nine games or win one game, that's relatively immaterial to what their trajectory is outside of a pick for next year. And he's learning. He's thrown four touchdowns over two weeks. Yeah, five interceptions, but he's pushing the ball. He's got a live arm. And again, what's the only way Jacksonville is going to win a game? not 17 to 13 with their defense. So he's going to have to win on his own, largely win on his own. And I like that he he's actually, there's some uh, you know expected completion rate and all this kind of stuff. He's actually had the highest dif- degree of difficulty for t- rookie quarterbacks. And he's top five in the NFL quarterbacks overall in degree of difficulty for the throws that he's making. So I like that. Whether he throws, again, if he fills up the box score and he throws 25 touchdowns and 26 interceptions, I don't care. 
Like to me, that's success. He's going to cut the interceptions. He's going to learn. His offensive line is probably going to be a point of emphasis. The defense, can they hold him in games a little better? I get all that, but you're, you're getting live reps full on, you know, in, in on, on the job training. And so it's going to come. And so I've really liked what I've seen from him because one thing that I, do, I don't really like about, about young quarterbacks in general is when every instinct they have is just a first read, not there, escape the pocket and run because you're not learning anything. Like if you, if you stare down your first, your first target too long and then you take a sack, well, hopefully the learning lesson is get off your first read. You know, so get off your first read, go to the second guy. And guess what? If you throw into coverage on the second guy because you ran out of time, at least you got off of it. But if you just always bail by running, I don't think you're going to learn anything. You know, you might have fantasy success. People go, oh, look at you. You ran for 78 yards and a touchdown this week. Awesome job. I think that may happen with Justin Fields. He may be the type that runs first or runs second, I should say. And I don't know if you're going to learn as much. Zach Wilson is learning a heck of a lot. You know why? He just threw up four interceptions and two or three of them were absolutely horrendous. Why? He probably didn't see anything. He's been used to making throws with his arm and that gets him through because of where, where he played in college. Level of competition. He can't get away with it in the NFL. He learned a valuable lesson this week, but you know what? He's got big time arm talent and he's another one. He's not running and I like that. Could he run more? I'm sure he could, but he's trying to win with his arm. Another team, they're not going anywhere. So you don't have to worry about this. Well, now we're not going to make the playoffs. <laughs> like, so I actually like the fact, learn, it's all right. You're probably going to finish QB 28, 32, 27, whatever it is. So again, we're going to use you as an injury away guy, as a super flex QB2 if we need you, but that's about the extent of it. Maybe later on in the season, we see progress. We, maybe you're starting Trevor Lawrence with some certain matchups. Who knows? But uh, what do you think about Mac Jones in the sense that He's completing a ton of passes. They actually, I think they're going to make the playoffs because, because Mac Jones is good defense and he has one touchdown, no interceptions. And outside of, uh, what was it? The, was it, was it the uh, Damian Harris or is it Stevenson with the fumble that actually cost him the potential chance? To it, was Harris. it was Harris. It was Harris. But so, so that was not, you know, they were playing it the exact right way. Let's not turn the ball over. The rookie quarterback isn't. And I just think there's a ton of positives with he's playing the exact way that is being asked of him within the position on that team. Yeah. Uh, the nice thing, the Patriots have a great offensive line to protect him, whereas the New York Jets, not so much. But Zach Wilson is learning, as you mentioned. And what I love about Zach Wilson, he is a smart, smart kid. He's got a very positive attitude. He's a hardworking guy. He's going to get into the tape. He's going to get into the film. He's going to work his butt off to overcome those deficiencies. And he will over time. Just don't expect it. I mean, he talk about he's the one that really has to learn on the fly because of that offensive line and the weapons around him or lack thereof. Matt Jones Maybe he doesn't have the greatest weapons in the world, but as you mentioned, they've got the team defense and they've got a great offensive line to at least protect him to where he can complete a bunch of passes and he can do the, I'm going to dish it off to Hunter Henry or Johnu Smith or, you know, James White or whoever the case may be and, and keep moving the ball. They're two different games. They're both smart guys. They're both 
bookworms that get into the film, but the different, again, totally different surroundings and they each have to learn and grow. I have every faith that they will. I think, I think Mac Jones is going to be successful. Now, what that means for fantasy is a difference between you know, NFL success. Because I think what I see is what we saw in the preseason, what we saw at Alabama, obviously with you know, weapons beyond their peers. Uh, so it was a completely different system. But what, but what I've seen though is, A, he is fully, fully happy to get the ball out. Hey, first set read, second read. Okay, dump it down. And, and he makes like these drives that the Patriots put together. And, you know, I'm sure you're watching too. So, I mean, it, it's prevalent. They're long drives. They're, they're keeping their defense fresh. They're doing everything right. So I don't know if that means Mac Jones is ever a top 12 fantasy quarterback. Maybe, you know, maybe with better weapons. I, I'm sure 2001 version of the Patriots, people didn't think Bart Tom Brady was going to be, you know, a top flight fantasy quarterback for years. For years, he was just game manager, you know? So Mac Jones, though, he's naturally accurate. It's amazing. Like, it sounds simple, but he throws a lot of balls inside of 10 yards but accurate enough that the guy has a chance to make a play on the defender that is covering them to make a move, get yards after the catch, move the sticks, positive plays. So I don't know if he ever runs for 200 yards in a season. I don't know if he ever finishes in the top 10 to 12, but I do think he's going to be NFL and fantasy successful. So we might be talking about him and being like, oh, in three years, he's never finished higher than QB 17. And you know, oh, what does that mean? What's the ceiling? And people just aren't happy with that. But I think that when you look at, like, I still view him as the best value on the board because he was going at like 12 overall, 14 overall in Superflex rookie drafts. And if you can hit, and by hit, you get a functional quarterback that looks the part right away, naturally accurate, just like in the, in the college ranks with you know, a good ecosystem around him. Let's not pretend like he can't grow into something, that he can't get better weapons over the next two to three years and all of a sudden, like a Brady, like some of these others, where you question the ceiling for a long time, and then they put it together. Because accuracy, <laughs> I'm sure every NFL coach will say, I can work with accurate guys because they're throwing the ball in the right spot. And we saw him on deep balls. I remember there was one, I don't know if we've seen it in two games specifically, but in the preseason, he dropped two or three balls in the bucket, 25, 30-yard throws downfield right over the top, and they might have been tipped away, but it was literally right within a bread box of where it's supposed to be. So if Nelson Aguilar isn't that guy right now, so be it. Someday they may have, might have a guy that that is a Henry Ruggs 70-yard touchdown because he gets behind the defense and has an accurate quarterback to deliver it. Um, so with Matt right. Jones, I'm just, I'm just big and bullish on these early signs of it's great building blocks for whatever it means for the future. Yeah, I mean, in fantasy, there's a couple different ways that you can look at it. For me, I do like accurate quarterbacks. I do like the mobile quarterbacks also, but their shelf life doesn't seem to be as long as the guys like a Mac Jones or a Joe Burrow. They're mobile enough. Mac Jones can move if he needs to, and he's got a good deep ball touch when he's ready but for right now, he's completing a lot of those shorter passes, the dink and dunk, and doing what is asked of him from his team. And in the, in the process, he's learning, processing. He'll get better and better. But just like, you know, all of the quarterbacks, all of these rookie quarterbacks, they each have their own niche 
And it's just a matter of adjusting and will the ownership put the right pieces around them to make them successful. I so far have not been disheartened by any of the rookie quarterbacks yet. I do want to remind folks about one thing because Joe Burrow was considered last year. If we supplant or put ourselves into that position, he was considered a rousing rookie success. And yet the aggregate result was mid QB two. I think it was like QB 18, 20. That's still above baseline for the average 101 drafted quarterback, just as a reminder. So Burrow last year was still in this Trevor Lawrence type bucket of, yeah, we, we see positive things, but they are still like a matchup play, you know, QB two for super flex, all that kind of stuff. And where is Burrow this year? He's around quarterback 20 through a couple games. So he's considered a success so far and still a season where he, you know, once he exited, but now a couple games in, we're still looking. So the we, we've said it before, high level QB ones. It's either diabolical passer, combo of really good passer and some mobility or hyper mobility. And you put them in buckets. Could could Justin Fields be hyper mobility? Yes. Could Trey Lance be hyper mobility? Yes. So they could get there without being a big time passer. Lawrence is a blend. Zach Wilson is a blend. Mac Jones would have to get there on the passer front. But I think they all do, to some degree, fit those buckets of you could see that as the prototype for how they get there in the future. Um, any final thoughts on the, the rookie quarterbacks? I think that was a, a just, really, really good discussion because they're always fascinating and we're going to track them for years. I mean, they are going to be the talking point because we had basically five of them go in the first 12 to 15 picks of a, of a super flex draft, which is really, you know, a, a big bucket of how they sort themselves out. Some people took fields at one Oh two, you know, some people were bullish on Zach Wilson. Some people, you know, uh, saw value later on. I'll take whoever QB four or five is. So there's a lot of ripples for years to come on who actually becomes those cornerstone players for us. Yeah, there's plenty of time. And also this season being one extra game. By midseason, some of these quarterbacks are going to be taking over and looking really good and starting to really start to feel like they've got everything going, which is great. But that doesn't mean that the later bloomers or the guys like Trey Lance so far has the least opportunity of everybody. But that doesn't mean by midseason, if he's still behind, that I'm going to give up on the dude. Like You have to have patience with rookies of any position but especially at quarterback and tight end and quarterback uh, you know, you can't anoint too soon and put them up too soon in a, in a startup, but you also can't forget too soon either. Yeah. It's a reminder. I mean, Justin Herbert, I looked up and it's small sample size, but he has had some missed opportunities, you know, this year they put up the, the immediately, I think it was last week or the week before they, they put up the graphic of how he's never thrown a red zone interception. And what does he do? That player will play next. It's, it's sort of the uh, uh, curse and the kicker, you know, that he's never missed inside of 40 yards. There it is off the goalpost. So um, yeah. And, and Herbert, again, he's, he was a revelation last year. He's, you know, in QB two land so far early sample. I mean, obviously, you know, still looking good, but there's a big divide sometimes with how someone's playing NFL wise versus fantasy, you know, line to ledger production. 
Uh, let's talk uh, close to home for you uh, in Dallas there, the backfield. And I'm sure I haven't listened to one fantasy show this week. It still is Tuesday night. It's early. I'm sure I'll hear some semblance of this. But I have to imagine with what's transpired this past game with Tony Pollard having a big game. And this was a little bit different than the other huge game he had, which I think was in uh, garbage time against uh, Miami in the last year or two, where he put up 100 yards in the, in the second half. I think he broke a long run. But this felt a little more within the scope of the offense in terms of when he was getting his touches and a competitive game. So what are your thoughts on Ezekiel Elliott versus Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard in general, and how they fit? What's going to happen projecting ahead with Dallas's backfield? I think it's now a committee. I think it's, it's very much like we always thought that Zeke was going to be the one and everybody else was just a backup, a, a handcuff. But no, it's 1A, 1B. And Tony Pollard has proven he's quicker. He, he's, he's not a slouch at six foot 215. Uh, you know, he put up 100 yards with a touchdown this weekend. And he just looks explosive. And no, they're not going to. Just because Zeke has the big money, the Cowboys are going to do what the Cowboys are going to need to do. And if they tire of Zeke and they need to do whatever, then Pollard has even more opportunity. But as far as tempering your expectations, I really thought Zeke was going to bounce back and do more. And maybe he still will. It's early. But I think Pollard's legit. And Pollard will keep the pressure. He's going to keep the foot on the gas pedal and keep the pressure on Zeke. But that's a good thing for the Cowboys, too, because they have so many weapons it gives them an extra dimension. One thing I thought, thought saw was interesting is, and I wouldn't have guessed this, you know, watching the game and then also obviously, you know, checking out the box score afterwards on Monday that, uh, I, I wouldn't have guessed this, that Ezekiel Elliott, 71% of snaps, Tony Pollard, 34%. So they were on the field together a little bit. And I, I wouldn't have guessed. I thought it would have been maybe 60-40, something like that. But 70%, Zeke ran a, plenty of routes. Um, and it was just that Pollard got the ball on, obviously, a higher percentage of his snaps. You see that you know sometimes you know with certain players. It could be a tight end, could be whoever. But... I found that interesting that so they found a way to get Tony Pollard more touches. They increased his snaps just a little bit. I mean, it really only went up by a handful from the week before, but he was just getting the ball on more of his touches. They still trust Zeke in terms of the routes, in terms of, I mean, he ran, he was in on 80% of the routes, you know, so he is still the trusted pass blocker. And I just think they see Pollard as a weapon. The interesting part for me is going to be, do people view, and I guess, I guess the, here would be the question, are you going to have lineup confidence with Tony Pollard if Ezekiel Elliott is active and in the lineup? Is he going to be a Kareem Hunt style of like a low running back two or flex decision, do you think, even with the starter in the lineup and healthy? Are we going to get to that level? Because that's a high bar. Right. I think on certain matchups, Yes. The Chargers were 28th against the rush, and Tony Pollard had 13 attempts for 109 yards this week. Last week, he only had three uh, rushing attempts for 14 yards, and that was against the Buccaneers, who were the fourth 
highest ranked rushing defense. So when you're playing the Panthers, no, I wouldn't start Tony Pollard. They're playing the Eagles next week, who are the 18th against Rush. So, yeah, against guys like the Giants, who are 20th, and the Vikings, who are tied for 20th, and the Falcons and the Chiefs, who are 30th against Rush. Yes, in those situations, I would start Tony Pollard if I've got him in a flex situation over certain other guys. I wouldn't start him over Zeke, but I would start them in addition. Like, there's times when I feel very comfortable starting Jamal Williams as well as DeAndre Swift in different leagues. Right. And it's the same type of thing. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb both have a place to start. Against certain defenses, absolutely. But you got to look at the game script. You got to yeah. look at the game script and the defense. Because Hunt is normally in the 35 to 45% range. So that's a, that is a full-blown committee. And what I would just point out is Pollard still has a little ways to go. It was a great feature game for him. But I wonder if this is going to really cook up his dynasty trade market. Like, is there someone, because we've seen it before, where technically someone is still the 1B or still the backup, and they are valued almost to a first-round rookie pick level, which is still a high, high bar, because there are NFL starters that may not, you know, maybe a late second or a third round rookie pick, and they're currently starting. So there's a very interesting, Tony Pollard is still in waiting. So if Zeke doesn't miss time, he is still going to have a tough time being predictable, as you said, you know, universally and beyond matchups. So that would be the thing that I would point out that he is obviously, you know, and before this game, I still thought this, one of the highest leverage of if the starter is out, this is a guy that can change your league. So there's, a, there's only a handful of those guys where the situation is so good, the market share would be robust enough that you could see a guy finish top five, top eight at the position if one thing occurs, which is injury. And this is one of them right here. Tony Pollard on this team can absolutely have as much upside or more upside than Zeke. Because as you mentioned, with the, with the uh, calculus of his athleticism, how he's being utilized, uh, maybe more big plays, all of those factors in effect where if you start giving them 15 plus touches a week, that's explosive. That's explosive upside. Right. But that's the whole reason why I wouldn't sell him right now. I want as many Tony Pollard shares as I can have, because number one, he's going to have some standalone value, not as a stud, but as a decent flex type player. And then on top of that, if Zeke were to get hurt, then he's a guy that could handle the load and, and be the starter and, and, and get those kind of points. He's averaging 15.65 fantasy points a game. Zeke's only averaging 11.8. So he's got more yards than Zeke. He's got more receiving than, than Zeke. He's got as many touchdowns as Zeke. And he's on a great offense. Why would you want to trade that for a future first that's random? I, again, I know that a lot of people play, well, I got him for a third round pick. So a first round pick's really good. Well, so is winning your freaking league. Like he can help you with the scoring. I don't think he's a Fugazi that's going to just vanish. If I did think so, then yes, I'd be willing to sell right now. I don't think he's going to just vanish into thin air. Okay. So, so hold. Now, let me ask you this. If you are light at wide receiver, heavy at running back, would you still hold Pollard or where's the line of type of guys you would be interested in at wide receiver? 
Or would you just try to do anything else? I would look for other options because usually there's other ways rather okay. than trade a guy like Pollard. Um, there's got to be either another running back or if I'm heavy at running back, there's got to be another running back option uh, to sell. Okay. But with all the injuries, and that's the thing, the whole reason that we keep so many running backs is look at Josh Jacobs. Look at, you know, there's so many guys that are hurt. Yeah. ETN and Akers out for the season. They're, you never know when you're going to need a running back. It's much easier to pick up a wide receiver, even off of waivers, Chad, than oh. it is to pay up for them. And I'd rather have the running back. It's much harder to find a running back off waivers well, well, also in most 12-team leagues. Well, also, you can get functional wide receivers in the in the trade market. Like, I've made really low-level moves for a guy like Cole Beasley that I can put in, in my wide receiver three, four spots. Feel really good about that. And, and yet, it's the cost of like a third or fourth round pick equivalency of like a flip player. And yeah, you know, some of these backup running backs, you stash them because... I don't know if I'm going to need them. You know that that one, two, three week zone. That might be the exact week where I've got bye week hell. I've got two injuries I'm working through, and here here's just one one uh, one team, and it's, this is a prime example. That here's here's who I have I have lost, and they're on my injured reserve right now in one league: Travis Etienne, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers and Gus Edwards. I lost four running backs that once Dobbins went down, I thought I had it, right? I thought I had the inside straight with Gus Edwards. He goes down. I've lost four running backs that could have been central to or in lineups for a decent chunk of this year. I lost those four. You want to know who I still have at running back? And this is why you have to build it as deep as you can because you never know because I'm still one of the best teams. I've got Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Jones, who I got cheap in a trade, Josh Jacobs, who's again hurt, and I've got Mike Davis. I've got a couple backups. So I'm still okay. Now, I'm not five, six, seven deep and enviable as I could have been without all these injuries, but I can still post. I can put in Aaron Jones and Jonathan Taylor this week. I'll be okay. I don't have to put in Mike Davis every single week, or I can use him. But the point is, you never know. If I started trading away all of you know half of my running backs in July, what if I picked the wrong guys, Katie? What if I had these injuries and I had traded away uh, Jonathan Taylor and Mike Davis and you know Josh Jacobs will be back? Like if I traded away the other half, I'm in a bad spot. So just that's that's an extreme example, but I know there's listeners that can say the same story how they've lost two or three guys already. Exactly, but the other side of the coin is in season, you're trading to the people that are trying to beat you. You're trading players. To the people that are trying to beat you. So do you really want to trade Tony Pollard for a future pick that isn't going to help you on your roster right now? And it's two games in. You don't know if you're a contender, a pretender, a builder, a, a bookmaker, a candlestick maker, whatever. You don't know yet. There are people that think they know, but they don't know. And there's tinkerers. And uh, this is not the time of season, in my opinion, to trade a guy like Tony Pollard that could win you your league, that could get you to your playoffs. And I'm more close to the vest with my players once the season starts. I've been offered some trades that are like one player for one player, one wide receiver for one wide receiver. It's like, how does that help my team? If I really believe in your player over my player, 
then isn't there a value difference? Like, why would it be straight up? It's the same thing with running backs or any position. Just trading one player for one player straight up generally doesn't work in the equation for whatever reason. And so when you're trying to trade with somebody, they may be 0-2, but they're still digging, scrambling, trying to make the best of it. And maybe they look at their schedule and they see a good three, four game patch and they just need a guy like Tony Pollard to get them through the next few games to when their veterans or whoever can come off the IR, whatever the case may be. And well, so, the, well, the other reminder is if you think Pollard's worth something now, imagine what he's worth if Zeke is going to miss a month or exactly. he's out for the year starting October 17th. Uh, what is he worth then, Katie? Right. Teaser more than now. <laughs> and by then, by then you'll have a better idea what your team is doing. Right. And you might, whether you or might not, be like, you might be like, I'm going for a buy. I, I'm going for a buy. Great. I'm a great team and I can put him in as my flex. Come get me. It's come at me, bro. And then the other part is, Hey, I might be two and five. You know, I, I might be, I might be on the fringe of saying I, now I feel like I got a chance, but you also might be gone enough that you say, Hey, this is absolutely to liquefy this asset because now I know he doesn't help me enough. He doesn't help my team with where I am. So at least you have more data points in future weeks because I had some teams. I think I'm a good team. I'm 0-2. It's tough luck with schedule. Or I just had the perfect storm of, yeah, you know, I had Aaron Rodgers in uh, week one. I had James Winston in my lineup in week two. And those didn't work out too well. You know, so you can have these perfect storms of, Two weeks does not a season make. We talked about that with rookie quarterbacks, but it works with your teams of not leapfrogging all the way to I'm 0-2 and deductive reasoning means I am horrible because you, you have plenty of time to make it up. You've still you've got an extra week in almost every single league that I know of that is extending their regular season. So um, what are your final thoughts, Katie, in terms of where dynasty owners are two weeks in, uh, players, teams, et cetera? I stress patience in the off season. It's the same thing in season, especially at the beginning, like we are now. It's a patience game and small adjustments, small tweaks. If somebody wants to offer you, if they already feel like they're in building mode and they want to offer you somebody for a discount, again, use your judgment. That's fine. I'm all about trades, but at the right time. I'm not a trade just to trade kind of person, never have been. And even if even if it's just gaining a percentage of value, what is value if you lose the player, the points, whatever? I mean, if you know for, for sure that you're rebuilding or not going to do anything, that's a different story. But even still, be smart about it. Be patient. Something happened this past week, I think, that's never happened before, Katie, which is I finished DFL in the UTH Best Ball Contest. Oh, shit. Yeah. DFL for the week. And I'm actually DFL through two weeks because, you know, you finished last for one, one of the two weeks. That's not a good sign. And I already go back to the thing I spent the most time on. And frankly, I was trying to get everyone else's stuff in. I created my lineup. I kind of had 90% of it done, but I did the bonus player and I sat there for a couple minutes and I was like, Tom Brady or uh, Mark Andrews. And I really think not going Brady over Andrews is going to really hurt me because my quarterbacks are in a bad spot. And Brady, obviously through two games, but I think an aggregate for the season would have helped what I was doing more. So we'll see how it works out. 
I'm not off to a great start. It's a long season. You're not off to a great start. Jordan is in third place. Tim is actually, I think, in the highest he's been in a decent amount. Uh, he's middle of the pack. So we've got to catch up. Still two weeks in. But uh, shout out to uh, Mike E, who won this past week. Cameron's in first place overall. But the two of them, already just a little separation. You know, the top three, top five, you know, from the field. So I wanted to shout out Mike E. He gets 276 points this week. He's got Brady and Russell Wilson. That's proving to be a pretty lethal combo. Mac Jones is his three here. He lost Ryan Fitzpatrick. We'll see if that depth and that injury hurts a lot of teams. He was affordable in the contest. He got a big week out of Tyler Lockett. Uh, he's been huge for two games now. Rondell Moore, best ball special uh, for this week with that long touchdown. Mike Williams has been a revelation. You know, it's like three years ago when he's supposed to break out all over again. Uh, but but big uh, start to the season for him. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, he paid up for McCaffrey. So if he stays healthy, that's going to be a boon. James White's been pretty good. Uh, Gronkowski is in the top three or four for the position to start out the season. So so shout out to Mike E for having the perfect week. And that's kind of what you need to finish one overall for any given week in the contest. So great to have him aboard. Thanks so much for being a super fan and, and great for taking it down a week too. And I will just say he's going to have a rough week nine. I can tell by looking at his roster. Not his team. <laughs> well, his all of his quarterbacks, except for Mac Jones, he's going to lose three of his tight ends, except uh -oh. for Cole Komet and Tyler Croft, and it's start two. Um, and then, yeah, he's missing several of his wide receivers. So that'll be an interesting week. You hear that, Mike? Because you talk a lot about bye weeks because in the aggregate best ball scoring, if you take a dive of 100 points in a certain week, then... That that you really got to be ahead to absorb that and still win the whole thing. So right. you, you hear so, that, Mike? You don't listen to this show for your name at the end <laughs> on week nine because it's probably not going to be coming. McCaffrey needs to go. Is he one of the ones that's uh, out in week nine? He needs to go bonkers. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's a week thirteen, so he can okay. help him out. He yeah. can help him out. You need your best week from about three guys. You know, you need a 30, 40, 50 burger in that week specifically. All right. Uh, reminder, Katie Flower is available between episodes at FF underscore Skylar 399. Reminder about UTHDynasty.com. Home to over. I, I just hit episode uh, 200 of the premium shows for this year. So 250 is what I promise. Typically, it's closer to 300 because we get a lot of bonus shows I don't even plan on uh, as we go through the season. And do want to remind folks, every single Monday, we do a scrub uh, for what needs to be updated on the UTH rankings, uh, tr uh, trade calculator values. So know that those are always current, especially when news hits about season-ending injuries, changing landscape items like that. Uh, so always look for that and the always current running back injury away matrix. There's a lot to glean for your waiver wire and where to put your preferences as well as the uh, running back roundup shows that I do with the have and have nots uh, for those depth charts early in the week, Monday or by Tuesday morning, those shows are out as well. Front load a lot of the content so you have the tools you need to dominate the coming week of roster moves and also getting your team in the best shape possible in 2021. So for Katie Flower, myself, Chad Parsons, until next time, never settle. Refuse to be average. And keep building those backs. All of the rest. <laughs> All of the running backs. <laughs>